Psalm 42. If you see somebody that you think should be here, give them a call. Amen. Well, what do you know? That is not Psalm 42. There we go. So if you don't know, the first verse uses the word heart, and some people might think it's a misspelling, but it's actually a type of deer that's found in the Middle East. So the heart is a deer of sorts that is found in those Middle Eastern countries. So let's read. To the chief musician, Maskil, for the sons of Korah. There's a whole message right there just about that God would use the sons of Korah, but we'll just keep right on rolling. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down? So just so you know now, it's a psalm, which is a song. This verse 5 would be the chorus or the refrain. Okay, So this is the chorus. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now back to verse 2, I guess, if you want to call it. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites. That's a mountain range. It's one of the tallest mountain ranges in Israel. From the hill Mizar, we have no idea where that is, but it's not a mountain. He calls it a hill. Then he says in verse 7, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? And again the refrain, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. I hope you understand, if you've been paying attention, that this verse, this psalm, is all over the map. Did you notice that? He's going from one minute, he's saying, I'm going to praise the Lord, to the next minute saying, is God even hearing me? Did you hear that? It's all through there. We'll talk about that a little bit um, here as we go along. Dear Father, we thank you very much for the day. Lord, I would ask that you would, uh, Lord, that you would be honored as we look at this psalm tonight, and we'll thank you for it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
So, many of you, I think, probably, quote-unquote, won't need this message right now. Some of you may need it in the future, and some of you may have seen moments where you wish you would have had it. But for those of you who may use it in the future, let me just put a little, let me put a little aphorism in your head. Okay? And it's, it's probably understated, but it's just an aphorism to help you go. Okay, help you think. When you're blue, Psalm 42. When you're blue, Psalm 42. Now, this isn't just David emoting a bunch of junk. Just so you know that. He's not just saying, ha, okay? And I, I got to even admit, I, I'm not even sure. I have to go back and listen to what I have said. But David, it says right here, and I'll explain it a little bit. Right off the bat, it says, to the chief musician, and it ends for the sons of Korah. They're the ones who, you know, they would be part of those that would, been, would have been uh, putting this together to, to be used in corporate worship, okay? So that's, he's giving it to them. They were the ones that would have been responsible. But he calls it a maskil, okay? A maskil is, we would use the word, the word maskil for us would be didactic, Okay? Now, didactic is the kind of stuff that, oh, Miss Giselle does, uh, Miss Lynn does, Miss Marge does in her Sunday school class. Didactic means instruction. So this psalm, while a song, is instruction. Okay, so everybody got that in your head? He is passing along Instruction. You understand what instruction? Has anybody here ever watched a DIY video or read a DIY book? Okay, I'll just raise both hands. How to do this, how to do that. This is a DIY psalm. Okay? I'm just telling you, this is David's help for those who are, and I'm going to use the word depressed because that exactly, the word cast down in this chapter is, we would use the word depressed. That's what it means. It is our word for depression in their language, okay? Cast down. Why are you depressed? Okay? Now, I say this because someone guided me to this psalm, and I have read this psalm I don't know how many times over the last little bit. So I told you I'd be reading the Bible through more than twice, which I have. I finished twice already, and I have, been, I have read this psalm over and over, as well as Psalm 40, Psalm 41, Psalm 136, Psalm 54, many, many others uh, as I've gone through, Psalm 6, uh, many of them. But this one is just interesting because it's a masculine, okay? And I want you to hear it because David very obviously exposes his own state of mind and heart and then answers what to do about it. Okay? You hear that? Is everybody with me? And the answer is not, just smile more. (laughs) Uh, um, And again, I have to go back and even look at some of the statements, because I may have made some very strong statements about depression. And... uh, one of the things that, that led me to start thinking about it more logically, again, I've mentioned before, was finding out Spurgeon suffered from severe depression. I don't know if, I don't know if you all know it, but he, you know, he's like the Prince of Preachers, a rising star, uh, young, very young, at, in thir- like his early 30s, uh, just tons of people coming to his church. He built this great big building called the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and one day it caught fire. 
and people were killed. And from that moment on, he was, from, according to his wife, he was never the same. He was still, the preaching was still there, but he was never the same. He was greatly affected by that thing. He felt, I mean, you imagine it. He designed, literally, the, the building was designed according to his very specific instructions because no sound system, okay? And you're going to be speaking to 15,000 people, so he was very clear about how he wanted the, the area around the platform to help throw sound forward. So the whole thing is his investment, and then it died I mean, it caught on fire and burned and people died. And he felt personally responsible for those people's death because they had come to hear him, that it was designed how he wanted it. Should there have been more exits? I mean, you know, think however a leader would think about those things, feeling responsible even though he may not have been responsible. I figured out, I found out if he's suffering from depression, then it's something that's real. We use the term storms, and I think we use it lightly, um, I, I think we use it too freely uh, because a flat tire is not a storm, okay? It's just not. Um, having to get your car repaired is not a storm. Those aren't storms. They're inconveniences. They're, they're wrenches thrown into the normal workings of our day that we wish weren't there. Uh, what David's talking about in Psalm 42 is well beyond an inconvenience. He's talking about a heart cry and we're going we're gonna to look at more of what he says. And he opens up in verse 1 with a very clear, a very clear description. Okay? <clears throat> he says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks. So he's talking about a deer, possibly that's been run by a hunter, okay, or run by a dog. He's not had a chance to drink. I've, I've read one man, one hunter, talked about he was hunting for something else, but he was at a creek... Um, looking at the creek and looking for, tr- for tracks, and a deer came, he heard this big crash, just tons and tons of crashing coming through the forest, and he's like, what in the world's going on? And he has his weapon, and he's getting it ready, and this deer came out of the woods, looked at him, didn't care, ran right to the water and plunged its face. Its tongue was hanging out, and it was, it was physically heaving and gasping and making noise and stuck its face in the water and drank totally ignoring the hunter standing right there, right across the creek from him. And he said, at that moment I got the idea, as the heart panteth, he said that that deer was doing nothing but running for the water and wanting to find it. Now, the thing is about verse 1 is, this is a deer not finding water. It's, he's panting for it, desperately needs water, and cannot find it. And that's what he's saying. He said, he said God, he says, you know the deer that are out there that have been run silly, he said, and they're they can't find water and they're, 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 they're making sounds and they're rushing and they're... I mean, you, has anybody here ever been... Well, never mind. We'll just keep right on rolling. As the heart panted after water breaks, and he says this. He said, that is exactly how I feel, God. That is exactly how I feel. I feel like I want God and he is nowhere to be found. I just want to find some little piece of God that I mean... And he even uses the word later, the living God. I don't want stories about how God, about what God did in the past. I want the living God right now. And he says, God, I'm, I'm not finding it. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. It doesn't mean, oh, I just have this great longing and desire. I'm so spiritual. No. He's saying is, I can't find him. And I need him desperately. Does everybody know what I'm talking, know what I'm talking about? And at least follow the idea. 
And he says, it opens up in verse 2 very clearly, My soul thirsteth. Now, again, I want you to pay attention to this constant back and forth, which is very much like depression. I've heard uh, one person say, you laugh and then you cry, and hopefully at the end you feel a little, a little better than you did before. Maybe. Who knows? Depression is an odd thing. It affects people differently. But he says, you know, again, verse 1, he needs God, cannot seem to find the supply. He cannot seem to find God. He is desperate for any form of th- something that looks like it might be from God. This is what I'm reminded of is the rich man in hell who looks across and says, can I just have just a drop of water? If I could just have a drop, it would be a help. And there are times in a believer's life when for whatever reason, whether it be the cause of themselves, and it's interesting because in this process, David is taking part of the blame upon himself and also assigning some of the blame to enemies. Uh, which would be appropriate, that when he writes the psalm, he is essentially uh, in exile, running away from Saul. So, so I mean, he's this constant moving. So that's the time he's writing about. And in verse 2, he continues that same theme. I need God, not just, again, not just the God of the past, the living God. I don't, want to just think, I don't want just the God that exists in stories. I don't want just the God that other people talk about. I want the living God, the God that I can interact with, that I can see. So I'm, I'm not seeing it. I want the God who can move and exist right now in my life. And he says, when am I going to get my chance, Lord? What does he say? What does he say at the end of verse 2? When shall I come and appear before God? God, when I see, I see you answering prayers over there and I see you doing things for them over there, when am I going to get my chance, God? If you've ever been here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Lord, when are you going to open the doors to me? (laughs) I remember very specifically my wife and I talking about an answered prayer, and I looked right at her and said, God didn't answer my prayer, God answered your prayer. And she didn't have an answer for that, because I knew God wasn't answering my prayer because he hadn't been answering my prayer. Several different prayers I'd had, and I'm looking at her, she'd pray for something, and Boom, God does it for her. Like, can't get mad at her, but it don't feel very good. <laughs> you know, is everybody following? I don't like this. God, when, when, is, when are you going to be God for me? Is there, is, y'all being a little bit too quiet. When are you going to be God for me? It feels like all the doors of God, they're just shut to me right now. I see other people get to walk in and out, but I don't. And then in verse 3, he begins to say, he says, My tears have been my meat day and night. My tears have been my meat day and night. And then he adds this, While they continually, which is basically a repeat of day and night, say unto me, Where is thy God? Now, it's interesting to me that he doesn't really say that the they here is referring to the enemies or his tears. It's almost as if it could be both. You know, you know the rule of the, the, the pronoun has to refer to the nearest antecedent. And the, or, you know, the nearest noun. The nearest noun, the nearest antecedent, seem, would seem to be tears. But it could apply to enemies, or maybe he's intentionally leaving it, so it applies to both. That's kind of what I feel. So this is the idea. He says, he says I am literally... Not just, it's not like I just have some sorrow through the day. It's as if all day long I am doing nothing but feasting on sorrow and tears. 
There's no dessert. There's nothing I like. There's nothing that makes me feel good. My whole day is nothing but sorrow and tears. Whether or not, whether or not it's the tears causing it or the enemy, it, it really doesn't matter because essentially in his mind, God, God's not listening. He's not getting anything to, from God to sustain him is what he feels like. Are you understand that? I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting from God what I need. I feel like I'm pretty much just crying and that's it. That's what I end up doing all day. And then he says this in verse 4. When I remember these things, now he's not talking about what he just said. Obviously, he doesn't need to remember what he just said. He's, look at what the whole thing says. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, notice, colon. <laughs> that means he's now going to tell us what the things he's, he remembers. And look at it. For I had, past tense, I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. You, you, you hear that sense of aloneness? I remember being with everybody. I'm not now. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and a multitude that kept the holy day. He says, you know, I remember when things were better. It's, it's, he said, it's, it's almost like he's saying, it's not like, I, it's not like I've stopped believing because I do remember better days. I do remember when God did this and God did this and God, you know, when I mean, I remember, he talks, I remember going to church and just, and singing and enjoying myself and just being thankful to be with, with the people of God. He said, and he talks about a holy day. You know, it's, it's like a special day. He's not just talking about just the Sabbath. You know, there are some days when you gather together and it's just extra special. You know, the meaning and everything is more, more big. He's, I just, I remember those days. I, I remember those things. He said, you know what, it just, it just like adds to my pain. Did you hear that? He says, how does he say that? I pour out my soul in me. God, how come I don't, how come I don't see that anymore? Has anybody ever said, how, how come God, you don't treat me like you used to treat me? How come, how come, is it, you know, am I just to spend the rest of my life remembering who you used to be and not having it right now? And he reminds us, well, I'm just going to keep going. He says, I remember days when God seemed near. And it causes me again to pour out my soul because I don't feel it now. When am I going to have my chance? Verse 5, we come to the refrain. What's his his response? What's interesting to me that in verse 4, to me, it's part of the response. Part of getting better is remembering who God was. Well, God is. I know that. But part of, part of getting better is remembering how God has moved. But anyways, he gets to verse 5 in the chorus. He says, this is really good. So I, I, I'm just want to, I'm going to read through my notes. This is the in chorus. Now remember, this is instruction. He's not just dumping out his heart. He's giving us instruction. And in the chorus, we find some of the clearest instruction. So what does he do? What's the process? Well, number one, he questions his own depression. Why? Why? And it's literal. Let me. Why are you depressed? He is purposefully questioning himself, questioning his own emotions. Uh, we could just as quickly say, if you know someone who's depressed, this is what you do. 
why are you depressed? Now follow me all the way through. Why are you depressed? And then it's interesting. He says, why, is my, why art thou dis, um, disquieted in me? He's talking about his soul. Why is my soul disquieted? That's a really interesting term. It's a very accurate term. For many people who, are, uh, who have experienced depression, it means that his soul and his mind and his heart are full of everything. Everything. It's like noise. Non-stop noise. Non-stop the word, the word literally can mean everything from rage to clamor to noise, um, let me see here, to moaning and complaint, all just this constant mix all the time of nonstop. And it, it is interesting how that people who are, that, that do tend to run depressed, they either run to noise or their brain is full of noise. You know what I'm saying? In go the headphones or the TV screen, or games, or whatever I can do to constantly distract, 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 just constant noise, and in my heart there's these arguments going on with myself back and forth, or calling myself a loser. It's, I mean, it's like I'm having this constant conversation with myself that's always on the wrong end of stuff. And he says, why are you doing this? Why, why are you depressed, and why is your heart full of noise? And this is what he, this is what he tells himself. Look what he says. Hope thou in God. Hope. Hope. He's commanding himself to hope. He's not saying he has hope. He is telling himself to hope. Because it's work. Hope is work. So at our house, I keep saying I'm going to be tough on this, but I think the kids learned a lesson a long time ago. But... We hid the presents, and if they went looking for them, and I found out that they found them, I told them, I'll take them back. I'm going to take them back. If you go looking for them, I'm taking them back. You're not getting it. You need to be patient and wait. Does anybody know how hard that is? <laughs> Can't I just? No. My wife finally got this thing now where on Christmas Eve, they get to open a little something. And I guess I relented on that, you know, just ease up some of the thing. But the, the idea here is that the word hope literally means, and it's, the word hope here literally means to be patient and to wait. Does anybody know that's like one of the hardest things to do when you're depressed? No, you want God now. Isn't that what he also said? Isn't that what, it, that's, God, I need you. <laughs> I'm thirsty. God, I need you. Where are you at? And then he turns around and tells himself, chill. Chill. Be patient. Why? Be patient and wait. Why? Look at what he says. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. What is that? I'm not getting what I want right now, but God is still God. And God will not leave me here forever. You see that? I shall yet praise him. He's saying, I don't have a reason to right now, but it's coming. It's coming. I shall yet praise him. And what does he call it quite clearly? For the help of his what does he call it? Not my countenance, 
for the help for my countenance, it's the help of his countenance. What, what, did, what it was David crying for? The living God. Not the God of stories of old. The God who I can, and, and, and I know this, I'm not trying to be mystical here, but the God that I can commune with face to face. And I know we don't see God, and I, I, but I think you all know what I mean when, when God when God, through the reading of the word or through some song or some, or some preaching, speaks to you and you, and you know it. And it's, it's, it's specific. It's for you. He says, I know that God will eventually move in my life. He will. I know it. I'll have a reason to praise. I don't have it right now. But now listen, do you realize he's not saying, all you got to do is flip this switch and depression is gone. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, my mind is full of noise and my mind is just, I want something from God and I'm not getting it. I'm just hungry for God and it's not there and it's not right. And why is God speaking to other people and not speaking to me? And why is he, why did he used to do it? Now he's not. I just don't understand. He's like, okay, come on, David, calm down. Now, what did David have a promise of? You will be king. You will be king. Was he king right then? Nope. He has the promise of God. That's not even really mentioned in there, but he does know that God will move again. Why? Because that's the nature of God. It's the nature of God. He doesn't just walk away from his people and leave them forever. That's not what God does. Amen. Amen. He, he says, he's telling himself, can I just tell you, one of the best things that my wife has done for me over the last little bit is to remind me that God has moved and remind me, sometimes even that God is moving, and remind me that God will. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Amen. Can I just stop and tell anybody here who's down? It's going to get better. You realize the worst that can happen, absolute worst, is that you end up perfect in heaven. Wait, wait, wait. Did I say the worst? Is everybody with me? If you're a believer, that's the absolute no. I will have reason to praise again. And then in verse 6, he goes right back to how he feels. Oh, my God. My soul is cast down within me. <laughs> he's right now, he's looking up, he's looking up into the sky, a, a, a speaking to a God that he does not believe is answering. And do, he does not believe is, in almost some sense, it's almost like, it's almost like God's not listening. But I'm yet going to go ahead and pray. And what does he say? He tells God exactly how he feels. We make a big mistake when we try to pretend we're something different before God. No, we need to tell God exactly where we are. It's what David's done here. God, I am depressed. I'm depressed. I am cast down. I am, and he uses this word sinking. He doesn't, the idea there, that cast down within me, the whole idea is that I, I, I feel like I'm sinking. It's just getting worse for me, God. I am he, and, and then he says he, he, really weirdness, but he, and, and again, this is, verses 6 and 7 is subject to some differences of opinion. So I'll just tell you that up front. But looking at it and looking at the back and forth, I'm just going to tell you from, for me 
how I see it. Because the things that he talks about, the land of Jordan, what is he talking about? That's just the general, it's the general region that, he's, that he is referencing where he's at. But he's, he uses these two places. He talks about the Hermonites and the Hilmizar. Those are high places. Again, the Hermonites, um, I think it's in a, the mountain range called the Anti-Lebanon Mountain Range. And it is literally the, some of the highest points in the nation of Israel. They have, some of them have snow almost year-round. Okay? Now, what's funny is they're about 12,000 feet. So I mean, you, you get the picture. It's like, guys, it's like the one we climbed. It's, that's the Hermonites. Um, but some have snow. And it's like he's, he's saying, the land of God has some really high points, and I remember them. I, I don't know about you, but I, and I'm still odd, and maybe some of you have lived here too long to be, uh, to be moved by it. But I'm telling you, every time the, the, the humidity clears up and I see the mountains to the north and to the south, I love it. It just, I can't believe God lets me live here. And I see the mountains, and they're, they're just, they're beautiful, and they're encouraging, and um, not so much fun to try to get to the top of, but they're, 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 they're just, it's awesome. And he says, man, I, there's the high places of God. And then in verse 7, he goes to the opposite extreme. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. He says, it's almost like he says, I see the mountains, I see the high places of God, but that's not where I am. He's still telling God, God, all I feel like is, I feel like one wave washes over me, I think I might be coming out of it, and another one comes along and smacks me down some more. And I feel like I'm going to come out of it, and here comes another one. He says, I see the mountains in the distance, but all I see around me are waves and billows and water spouts, and it's all down, down, down. I am overwhelmed. And then in verse 8, he goes right back to the opposite end. (laughs) Yet, (laughs) the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Again, notice the future idea of it. And in the night, his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. Now he's looking to the future again. What is he saying? Yes, you know what? God is still good. The word loving kindness, can I just tell you what we would say? Mercy. God God will still be merciful. Why? Because God's merciful. He will give me a song to sing, and he will hear my prayer. You hear that? I don't see it right now, David says. I don't see it right now. All I feel right now is like, I feel like get, I'm getting beat on and beat on and beat on, but I know, I know, <laughs> God is still God, and God will show mercy. I will have a song to sing, and he will hear my prayer. What is he, what is he again doing? He's going back to hope. I'm going to hope. I'm just going to keep on hoping. Amen. And then in verse 9, what are we doing? We're going right back to telling God. Now he's talking to God again about how he feels. I will say unto God my rock. That's a good statement to start with. It seems, I would almost seem to think that David wrote this when he's on his way out of depression. Because when you're on your way out is when you begin to realize that the only reason you're still standing is because God was your foundation. 
The only reason there's anything good happening in your life is because of God. But anyways, he says, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Can we just pause a sec? Is it true, is this a true statement? God forgot David. No. Is this a true statement? David felt like God had forgotten him. Is this a true statement? Sometimes believers feel like God has forgotten them. Can, can I just tell you, the depression is in the Bible. And we're seeing it quite clearly right here in Psalm 42. David looked and said, God's forgotten me. But he, he, he said it to the right person. God, why have you forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Now he's going to include the idea of the enemy. And of course, he's running and running and running. He can't get away nonstop. He's supposed to be having victory, and instead he's spending all of his time trying to hide and trying to run, trying to do right. Man, every time I try to do right, all I got end up getting in trouble for that. Ever been there? I'm going to do right. Boy, and you do something right, and here comes another billow. Whack! I can't win. Ever, ever, ever felt like this? I ain't got nothing left. I don't, there's nothing left. I don't have nothing left to give. I don't, I don't know what else there is to do. That's exactly where David's at. He said, I'm going to tell God about it. I'm going to tell God exactly where I am. He continues it in verse 10. He says, as with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. You notice he doesn't say like a sword wound. He says the sword is there. It's not like I got stuck and you know, I'm walking around with a wound. No, it's as if the sword is still in me. Now, I don't know a lot about wounds. I'm pretty sure David did. I think David was probably quite aware of what a sword wound was. I can tell you from having read, read historical accounts of men who've been wounded by the sword that when the enemy's hand is still on the sword and the sword is inside you, it's extremely painful because there's constant movement. It's, it's wound, it's hurt on top of wound. There's the wound and then the enemy still has his hand on it and the, the sword is just in there constantly causing more and more pain. He says, this is exactly where I am, God. He says, why, you've forgotten me. All I'm doing is being sorrowful and sad all the time, and the pain just keeps on coming. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? You know, I talked this morning about you know, the devil's not everywhere, but I, I do believe that the, the flesh and the influence of the devil tends to bring us to a point where we actually hear and take up the, the question, honestly, is God real? Those in the deepest depression at some point look and say, this can't be right. This can't be right. Is, is God even real? You, you hear, where is thy God? Your God doesn't care about you. <laughs> even God thinks you're a loser. I'll just tell you what David said, okay? But <clears throat> remember, this is an instructive psalm, isn't it? He's trying to teach us something. So we go back to the chorus again. What does David say? <clears throat> what does he do again? He questions his own depression. 
He questions himself. Why are you depressed? Hey, 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 David. Why are you depressed? Why is your heart so full of noise and rage and war? Use the same part and moaning and complaint. Why are you like this? You need to hope. You need to hope. You need to hope. What does he say? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. You have got to hang on to hope. Not just hope in general. That's the wrong avenue. I'm just telling you, you keep trying to, you know, you just kind of tell yourself, well, things are going to get better. And without the idea that it's because of God, what's going to happen is you're slowly going to sink into a state of where you feel literally nothing. Zilch. The hope has to have an object. Hope thou in God. Because God is not human. He is not fickle. He is not blown about by emotions. God is always who he is. And that is what? In this one, it's kind of different. Last time, you remember what he said last time? He's merciful. He will show mercy. He will give me a song to sing. He will hear my prayer. But in this one, he says just something a little different. He says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Again, I want to point you, he says, you know what? I've got to have hope. Why? Because I know at some point he's going to do something that I'll be able to turn around and say, praise the name of Jesus. There's going to be a morning when I'm going to wake up and suddenly I'm going to realize it's not as dark as it was. It's not as dark as it was. You say, well, that don't make sense. Can I just tell you something? Just, you know, and I, I'm trying to, be, trying to be careful here, but over the last few months, the, between my wife and the Lord and other things, and my, some good friends keeping me in the hope realm, keeping me in the hope realm, there are days I woke up and felt better, and I'm, I'm telling you, I could not tell you why. The only reason had to be because of God. There's no other reason. There's no other reason. And we always want some, you know, two plus two equals four answer. And what David's telling us is just hope in God. You have got to maintain hope. Maintain hope. Why? Because there's going to come a day when I'm going to wake up and suddenly I'm going to look around and say, I think God's doing something. My heart feels better. I, I'm, I'll just tell you, I'll just, to my church, I'll just tell you right now, I, I honestly feel, and maybe I've said it before, the only reason that I am standing behind a pulpit right now is because of God. The only reason that I'm able to, I, I'm just telling you, and for me right now, even just study is like, I used to love to study. Man, you know, outline passages, you know, and of course you have that drive from college where you have to study and you have to have it done by like 7.30 tomorrow morning and it's 11 o'clock tonight. You know, so there's that drive, but when, you're, when it's the pastor, you have to have it done. I mean, you've got to preach. Somebody's got to preach, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are, many more, there, are many, there are many services where the only reason that there was a message behind the pulpit was because of God, if there was one. What's, what's David saying here? 
He is my God. Look at the last three words. And my God. He's the health of my countenance. If I'm going to get better, it's because of God. And I'm going to praise him. Why? Because he's my God. I'm not going to change now. So, this is simple. And I, I wish... I wish, Dane and I have a pastor friend, his name is, and he's been here to preach, Wayne Hardy was here, you know, he talked, he did the gender series, he's got a way of taking these tremendous thoughts and making it, saying it in like, you know, two sentences, I still can't do that, so maybe I'll get better at it, but how do I help myself, or how do I help others who are facing depression, and many people will face depression. This is looking from the thing, taking this from the the passage. Remind yourself or them of all the reasons that they should fight depression. Remind yourself or them of all the reasons that they should fight depression. You realize that's that's what David's doing in here. He's fighting depression. Encourage them to keep hoping in God. Repeatedly. David says it at least twice in here. We could keep going. There's other psalms. The theme continues. Encourage them to keep hoping in God. While you're hoping in God, be honest with God about where you're at. Don't hide it. Don't try to be something that you're not. If you're down, you tell God about it. Amen. What what good does that do? It's good for you. You think, God already knows about it. He should just do something. No, you you need to say it. Honestly, many times it's good for us to verbalize. It's good for us to verbalize where we are. Because when you hear yourself say some stuff, you realize... Well, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to say. It sure is the way I feel, though. Okay? Remember that God has not changed. Jesus Christ, the same, and, and, he will not change. Is God merciful? Yes. Does God give us Reasons to sing. I'm telling you, there was, there's been a few mornings I have woke up and there has been a song on my heart that I didn't put there. When, you, when that happens, grab onto it. Sing it. Sing it out loud. Say it. Amen. I didn't put that song there. I'm, all I want is to, many times, is just to keep telling God how awful things are and how bad things are and how much of a loser I am and how it's never going to get better. And then God puts the song in my heart. <laughs> when that happens, I'm telling you, grab onto it. And if, if you can read one verse, read one verse. If you can find one memorized thing, read one memorized thing. Hold on to anything you find from God. Amen. God is still the same. He has worked in the past. He is working now, maybe not right on you, although he is, you just don't know it yet. 
and he will work in the future. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this. And I know, I, you know, the whole footprints in the sand thing is way overdone. I mean, I'm sick of seeing the whole, the whole, the picture and the, you know, the poem and the whole thing. But the truth behind it is absolutely accurate. The times when you feel, and, and this is something you just have to believe as a believer, okay? The times when you feel that God is nowhere around is the time probably God is closer than you have, than you can imagine. God is not... This morning we learned that we can, call, we can look to God and call him Papa. And he's not an earthly Papa. He's a good father. And not just father, Papa. The word Abba is a very endearing, close, intimate term. And he hurts when his children hurt. He hurts when his children hurt. He is affected He is moved by their tears. He wants things to be better for them. Listen, can I tell you, if if you're right now facing depression, I just tell you, God loves you. And he probably loves you more right now than you could imagine. You might not feel it. You might be so blind and so, so numb that you can't see it or feel it. But I'm telling you, there's truth, and you have, to, you have to choose to believe the truth, is that God loves you. God is loving you, and God will love you. Amen. God is most likely holding you very close. <laughs> Are you still alive? You still have air to breathe? You still have clothes to wear? I mean, I'm talking to people who live in the United States. Amen. Do you have people around you that are saying, don't give up? Don't do something stupid. Please come talk to me. Can I just tell you? That's God. Because every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. So if the goodness of a person is trying to break through the numbness and the darkness of your depression, that is God himself using another believer to be a help and a blessing to you. That is God. Thank you for it. Amen. One of the practical things that I have, and it's very hard to do because my, my mind wants to be distracted. My mind wants to fill my time with everything else but what should be there. And I'm just telling you, work hard at replacing the noise with hope. Work hard. I'm just telling you, there were times, there are times even in my study that I have a hard time sitting down and literally trying to read through a very short passage, much less think it through. It's ridiculous. I feel like a four-year-old, you know, no offense to the four-year-olds. Just, I mean, like, what is wrong with me? And I, I found out, man, the Bible read, audio, audio read Bible is, has been amazingly helpful for me. <laughs> I can sit and I, and I'm telling you, I'll sit and 
my, my family can tell you if, if they've been hearing it, they'll hear the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And I just keep, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. Try to replace the noise going on in here with godly hope. Fill it with something else. Amen. This is an instructive psalm from David. So, when you're feeling blue, Psalm 42. Dear Father, Lord, uh, 